All right, and welcome to Psychology and Stuff, the podcast of the University of Wisconsin Green Bay Psychology Program. I'm Ryan Martin, chair of the psychology program and host of Psych and Stuff. Woo! Um, <laughs> nicely done. I like that. I like the enthusiasm we're, we're bringing at this uh, early, early morning. Um, let's see. We're going to start out. I've got three really special guests in honor of Valentine's Day, which is right around the corner. This is one of those rare occasions where we're actually airing one on the same day that we taped it, so, um, cool. which is exciting. Um, but we have with us first uh, Rebecca Reed, postdoc uh, in psych at the University of Kentucky. Um, and Rebecca is doing a talk this evening, right, that's sponsored by the Psychology and Human Development Club. That is um, correct, yes. Awesome. And, and it's titled uh, Intersecting Hearts, Health, Emotion, and uh, Relationships. Yes, right? indeed. Good. Um, in a moment, I want to come back and talk a little bit more about the talk. But uh, we also have with us another relationship expert in honor of Valentine's Day, jo- Joel Morocco, assistant prof in human development at UW-Green Bay. I like that accent you, you used for my first name there. It was nice. What, did I have an accent? Well, no, but you like... Like French? Yeah. Was it a, yeah. Was it a French? I was it's just because to Valent- cover out the fact that you couldn't say Joel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, beca- it's, because, it's because Valentine's Day is right around the corner. I become French. Ah, so yes. Have you like um, you style? Is that what happens yes, here? Yes. So... Um, all right, and we also have a student with us today, Jenny Carrillo, president of the Psychology and Human Development Club here at UW-Green Bay. Hi, everyone. Awesome. <laughs> I'm Jenny. <laughs> so, Are you from the block? Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. So let's start out, um, I want to talk just in general about relationship research and the research people are doing, because um, Jenny, you are also one of Joel, Joel's, Joel's, um, <laughs> Joel's research assistants, you've yes. been involved in some of his research as well. Mm-hmm. So I want to start out with the talk tonight, though, and give people a, a kind of snapshot of what you're going to be talking about, what your research area is, that sort of thing. Yep, yeah, so the talk tonight um, will focus on how close relationships play a role in impacting health, both physical and psychological health. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, despite decades of research that has been done in this area, there's still some important missing links. Um, one of them being what it is really about relationships that most impact health. Um, and in that, in that lieu, I'm focusing on actually how partners help each other uh, cope with stress together. So I think that's okay. that's one of the main driving factors there. And then another unanswered question is how exactly these relationship processes really get into the body and affect our biological responses to ultimately affect health. Mm-hmm. Um, and there the talk will focus a bit on the immune system and how immunologically we respond to stress and how that impacts or how that's influenced by some of these close relationship processes. Okay. Uh, I want to start Fancy. with... Fancy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start with that first thing you said about how couples, I think you said, help each other cope with stress. Yes. Can you talk more about how they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a construct called dyadic coping. Dyadic meaning two. And essentially how how partners, so one of the bits is how partners are able to communicate stress to their mm-hmm. partner. So that's that's an important point. But then also how your partner then responds to that and helps you cope with stress. Mm-hmm. But dyadic coping also encompasses, um, you know, if, if you and your partner are both stressed out, how do you jointly together cope with that stress in a way that ultimately restores some sort of emotional and social and physiological balance or homeostasis for each partner do so and i know the answer to this but do they ever interfere in in do they ever add to stress oh. <laughs> do, do couples ever do, do couples ever not help each other yeah, stress? And, and, and how does that play itself out yeah absolutely so um 
you know, couples are, some couples are better at this than others. And um, absolutely our relationships itself, and, and interestingly, relationship stressors are one of the most commonly reported daily stressors that we all experience. And so our relationships do tend to be the source of that stress, um, but there's also, dyadic coping also encompasses stressors outside of the relationship that you, let's say, bring home, you know, at the end of a work day and those sorts of stressors as well. All right. Yeah. So Joel and Jenny, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about some of the work you do, some of the research uh, in yeah. your area. So um, specifically to relationships, so Jenny's in my, in my research lab currently, we're looking more at discrimination and prejudice in general across. Mm -hmm. um, so not relationship specific, but... But related to stress overall. Right. So but related and to stress health. overall. And health. Yeah, because um, there is this need in the literature to really understand how stress is impacting health overall. Um, it's not new by any means. Um, what's, what's really fascinating from a research perspective is that this idea of this dyadic coping and these dyadic processes, and we actually have statistical processes now that allow us to access data from both partners in the relationship and to see how they're influencing each other in, in ways that we couldn't even do five or ten years ago statistically. So, um, why, why is that? Say more about that piece. Um, so, so couples, individuals in, in relationships are interdependent, okay. so they're influencing each other. Um, so what that means is if you, were, if, you had a, if you had questions that you wanted to have answered and you picked two people off the street, they're not likely to give you necessarily very similar answers, but people in a relationship are likely to, be, likely to give you more similar answers than by chance because they have that interdependent relationship already built in. Um, so we can, we can account for that interdependence, but we can also then test to see how one partner is influencing another in various ways with the statistics. Okay. okay. Um, so uh, specific to my research then, it's uh, stress in same-sex couples mm -hmm. um, has been where my focus has primarily lied with minority stress. And so um, one of the cool things, I mean, minority stress is bad. So it's stress that's experienced by gay and lesbian individuals as a product of identifying with a stigmatized, um, marginalized population. Um, but one of the nice things that we find in the, in the research is that they're both experiencing that stress together, um, so they have each other as support, whereas um, not all couples are going to have that. So if uh, you're a young woman and, and you've, you've had a stressful day, maybe part of that is because someone's discriminated against you because of your, of, your, of your gender, and you go home and talk to your, to your male partner, they might be less sympathetic or less able to help you cope and process mm -hmm. that because they don't have that same experience to, uh, to, to pull from. So, Okay. Yeah. So I'm curious, both of you mentioned sort of the history of relationship research as you were giving your answers. I'm curious, what what has that history been like? Have, is this, have relationships been studied for 100 years? Have they been studied for 50 years, 10 years? Um, what What is most of that research focused on? Do you wanna... And I, I fully realize for the record that I'm asking you to summarize like 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but, yes. Yes. <laughs> but if yeah. you could give us a sense of what that history has been like. Mm -hmm. so, I'll, so I come at, actually, I come at it from the perspective of relationships and health. Mm -hmm. And that research really, you know, it has been around for quite a while, but it started to say 50 years, like there's, you know, 50 years of research accumulated mm -hmm. and now we're getting meta-analysis about relationships and health, which are, um, you know, a statistical technique that combines multiple mm -hmm. uh, independent study results into one, but there's still, and, you know, the, but there's still unanswered questions out there, which mm -hmm. is really, you know, it's still a really rich area to research because 
we are you know, having more advanced techniques on how we can measure health and how we can measure interdependencies between partners. So mm-hmm. even though it's been you know, a long time coming, and b- but we're still building on that knowledge, I think there's a lot of, lot of areas yet to explore. Yeah, and then to add to that, it's, it's actually pretty fascinating too because a lot of the older literature um, over, over decades was, you know, we're interested in these couple processes. We're going to ask one person from, their, from the mm-hmm. couple about what's going on in their relationship and how that's influencing their outcomes. And we totally ignored the other partner for a really long time, um, probably partly because we couldn't then figure out what to do with that data because we didn't have the techniques yet to really kind of hash out the relationships there. Um, so it's actually only in the last decade or so that we've actually really seen an uptick in the dyadic approach Mm -hmm. so you get both members of the relationship and you ask them the same questions and you look to see how they're answering how their answers are are varying and how they're influencing each other but there's also i mean the type of research that joel does like even focusing on different sorts of dyads and different sorts of relationships so still a lot of the research has predominantly focused on heterosexual couples and usually you know middle age or younger couples so even older couples are sort of left out and you know same-sex couples are also left out so there's still you know, a lifespan approach and a different approach to studying couples that is really hot right now still. So is that the, the focus on the dyadic, the focus on the couple that, that's come around more recently, is that simply because researchers got smarter? Is it because there are technological <laughs> advances that allowed for it? Is it, did, did, did someone pioneer that work? What what led um, to that shift, I guess? I'm, no, no pioneer immediately pops into my head. Um, I think it was a combination of things though, right? Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. uh, many researchers exhausted what they could figure out based on, you know, about relationships based on asking one person. Um, And there were probably people who wanted to do couple data um, before they really knew what they could do with it or how they could handle that. Um, So, so, I mean, so technology-wise too though, it's much easier now to get both people of a couple surveyed, right? So um, for, for my dissertation work a few years ago, I did it all online, but I sent them daily diaries is what I called them. They were daily surveys sent to both partners and the couple. Um, mm-hmm. So that was really nice in terms of getting data from both partners in the relationship. I didn't have to physically track anybody down or you know figure out where they were at and then ask them. It was easy just to send them a, an email. Um, Rebecca can speak about how she did hers. Yeah, no, a similar approach um, using, so I also use the daily diary approach to get multiple assessments each day at multiple times of the day. And um, I think, you know, it's a really, it provides a lot of rich information. And also, I think it stems from the idea of knowing that partners, we they are so interdependent and they influence each other in ways, and you want to capture that information from both partners. And more and more, you know, we're also realizing in the health world, like, your partner matters. And so you don't just want data on the patient or who, who is ever experiencing the, you know, going through the chronic illness or going mm-hmm. through the cancer treatment, but how is their partner also dealing with that situation and helping them through this process? So more and more, yeah, we're seeing mm-hmm. the, the data from both, both people. And that's actually a really interesting point that Rebecca brings up in terms of um, relationships and health and talking about chronic illnesses and, and cancer specifically. And that's where we see a lot of this um, dyadic kind of research really happening and mm-hmm. research has been really clear to show if you have a supportive partner you're more likely to, to be more successful in battling cancer you're less likely to have like mm-hmm. remission and things later on so um, there's there's clearly a crucial role that your your significant other plays mm-hmm. in your own health overall and your own and your all your overall well-being so mm-hmm. yeah so I'm curious and this is actually for all three of you how did you get interested in this sort of research in the first place how did this start 
I'll start. Okay, I'll start. Um, so it's me search, right? So <laughs> um, I was an undergrad and I was having some relationship stuff going on and I was spending a lot of time trying to figure out why and how and you know what what was going on really. Um, it's actually how I found the field of human development in general. I wanted to be a writer and I realized I didn't know a lot about relationships, so I didn't know how to, to write about them. And so that's what drew me into human development. But then um, for relationships specifically, it was more about just kind of understanding our processes um, because everyone has that desire for intimacy and to have that desire to have a close um, other in, in their world. And um, so I was just really curious about, you know, the influence of that. And, and then specifically as, as a gay man, really interested in the, in the aspect of um, minority stress because it's influencing gay and lesbian couples specifically in, in unique ways. So all couples have stress mm -hmm. um, and certain couples are going to have different types of unique stressors to them. And so um, I was just curious about all that. All right. Do you want to go ahead, Jenny, since you're... Well, I do research with Joel, and as much as I love Joel, I also do <laughs> research with Dr. Burns, and her research is we're doing it on relationships and similarity and complementary um, personality styles and attachment yeah. styles, and whether people want a person who's securely attached, or if they're insecurely attached, do they want another insecurely attached, or do they want someone to complement their attachment? Mm -hmm. And then my research with Joel is more race-related. Okay. Because I didn't go in there thinking about relationships. Okay. But we have more RAs now this semester, and now we're starting a new project with um, mm -hmm. relationships. Cool. But that, I don't know, it was kind of thrown on me. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't thrown. We had no. conversations. <laughs> and at worst. And wow. I will note this, we have a lot of data about... Um, we were really interested in race and discrimination and prejudice that people were experiencing um, in various contexts. So we asked them about all the different contexts of their lives and their different identities. But we do have, so we have um, psychological outcomes, we have physical outcomes, but we do have relational outcomes too. So we ask them if they're in a relationship mm -hmm. and then we ask them about their relationship quality, um, ex expecting to find connections between if they have more stress, maybe lower relationship quality and things like it's that. It's one whole big study that asks every question under the moon. <laughs> That's good. That's, that's a smart way to do research. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, how about you? My interests uh, in these areas, I think, also stem from, you know, growing up around people and just observing relationships around me and the health of those people around me. I actually started out as a physiology major in undergrad, and, and you know, I thought I wanted to go to medical school, but then I got involved in, in the research process as an undergraduate student and really sort of, you know, had found my niche of what I wanted to do. And I was really interested, you know, being in a physio program, everything is such on a micro level with cells and membranes and how things are transporting. Um, I minored in psychology, but was really interested in getting back into understanding how the social world mm -hmm. actually influences health and how relationships influence health. And that's how I uh, went into the Family Studies and Human Development program for my master's and PhD. Yeah, as an undergrad, when you first read research, you're like, oh, this is a lot to take in. Yeah. But then you start reading more and more, and you're just <laughs> like, wow. That, yeah, that's the best exclamation, wow. <laughs> There's just so much out there, and it's so interesting. And that's why it's hard for like me to pick one topic. That's mm -hmm. why I do so many different other kinds of research. And I can't tell you that any of my research is focused towards one thing right now. Mm -hmm. because I'm just going to go explore it all while I can. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I'm curious. So I even, 
we started this out, and this is just me being curious, but we started this out talking about Valentine's Day being right around the corner. And um, and also, I know one of the reasons we brought you in to, to speak tonight when we did is because Valentine's Day is right around the corner. So my question is... It was is, actually for the weather. It was. Yeah. No, we wanted her <laughs> just from, to from Kentucky to... Yeah. <laughs> uh, living in Kentucky. Um, we... Uh, I'm curious to know, is it annoying to have your kind of research and expertise associated with a holiday like Valentine's Day? Is that something that, that or? I haven't really thought about so it. Yeah. Here, here's the, the reason I ask, okay. is so I'm an anger researcher, and as I think you both know. And I told uh, her last night at okay. dinner, so she and, knows um, too. <laughs> uh, yes, which is not me search at all, by the way. I think yeah. <laughs> I've never had an anger. I've never had seen had him an... throw anything. <laughs> or... um, and so... Uh, but no, but every time I've ever done an interview, people ask me about the Hulk, mm-hmm. uh, maybe Yoda, yeah. uh, the the movie network, um, where with the you know I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And and so there's a piece of me that sort of feels like oh that it, it gets a little trite and a little. And so I'm curious to know like is is it uh, is it annoying to to have your research associated with that? And, Do you want? To, I have an I have a thought, but. Yeah, no, go ahead. So actually, I don't mind it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm I think the same, same. Okay, because okay. there's a lot of misconceptions that people have, and mm-hmm. I think um, in human development in general, people bring their life experiences into the classroom, which is fantastic, but then they think that that's what, that's how processes are, and that's what every relationship is like, and mm-hmm. so um, I kind of like talking about, um, you know, what people assume to be mm-hmm. the okay. right way to be in a relationship or what those things are supposed to look like and then saying, well, actually, no, research actually suggests that or, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe this does work for you in your relationship, but that's not really what's going to mm-hmm. be beneficial for most relationships overall. So um, I kind of like putting, like, those misconceptions to rest, I guess. Mm-hmm. When it's, I suppose it's an opportunity to, to do that, right? Right, you and know, I'm a teacher, wait. right? So right. I don't mind <laughs> and, t- taking those moments to teach, but if I wasn't a teacher and I wasn't all about teaching, I might be really annoyed by the, yeah. the right. experience. By the, As a you, student, um, I'm that one person in the class who's like, why? <laughs> why is that happening? And then they're like, I don't know. The research doesn't really go there. Like, that happened yesterday. I, I just wanted to know why everything happened. That's another area for you to research. Yeah. <laughs> why? The word why. Is that a philosophical question now? Or? Right. No, it's just how I talk. I ask no, why. It's like a little baby. <laughs> why? Why? It's a good question, though. Yeah. So, I, I'm, do you, another follow-up about Valentine's Day, do you like the holiday? Because so. this is one, this is a divisive issue, and the, yeah. in the um, as someone who also, when I research anger, I research a lot of anger online. And Valentine's yeah. Day, holidays in general bring out a lot of anger, but but yeah. Valentine's Day in general seems to be a very divisive issue. <laughs> holiday, you got people love it, people hate it. You know, I mean, and there's the whole the, the greeting card industry created it, right? right. But yeah. you know, I think we don't express our gratitude and affection and love for our partners enough. I mean, right, because they're the person that we're interacting with the most. So they're the ones that we're taking our frustrations out on mm-hmm. the most. When we're angry or upset, they're the mm-hmm. ones that have to deal with that with us. So um, I see no problem in taking one day. I mean, it's, honestly, you should do it more than, you should do it every day, right? And there's, yeah. five, there's research to show five to one um, ratios and things. But anyway, um, um, I think it's, it's a good thing to, to celebrate that person and to recognize them and to convey how you feel about them. And sure, don't buy a greeting card then. Make one yourself, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so don't buy into that consumerism aspect of it. But um, I like that we have the one day for it, but you should be doing it every day. Yeah. And relationships are really, I mean, one of the most central things to our life. We are the social beings and, and how we, and Joel is totally right, you know, how we treat this partner day in and day out. They're there for 
a lot of stressors and a lot of ups and downs. And so I think Valentine's Day is a nice day to, to mm-hmm. recognize the contribution of, of your relationship and, and how much you do appreciate your partner. Mm-hmm. I think we have put that issue to rest then. Okay. <laughs> two relation. Did you hear that world? <laughs> two <laughs> relationship <laughs> experts have confirmed <laughs> Valentine's Day is nice, so quit your complaint. Uh, so um, I'm curious, uh, before we switch to our, our game, the five questions, I'm curious, because you said something about a five to one All ratio. Right, yeah. Can you elaborate on what that is and what it means? So John Gottman mm-hmm. um, was a psychologist, I believe, by training, yep. and a relationship, um, him and his wife, actually, they have the Gottman Institute. Um, experts, yeah. Experts. Yeah, relationship experts, and they bring um, couples in, and they've done research for decades, um, looking at couple processes, and so they developed the the five to one ratio, which is very difficult to do. And so the idea is you're supposed to give five positive, Mm -hmm. like affirming comments, feedback, things to your partner for every one critical thing you give to your partner. Um, So it it can be very challenging, but they but they find in their research that couples that were more in line with that five to one ratio were more likely to stay together and be satisfied and happy in their relationship. Mm-hmm. And they also, um, in the Gottman Institute, identified uh, what I learned as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And, mm-hmm. the, and so um, things that you that if you do in your relationship um, are not going to be good for long-term success of that relationship. And those, oh, let's see if I remember them, uh, criticizing your partner often, holding them in contempt, so rolling your eyes or, you know, just kind of putting them below you. Um, what were the other two? I see. I can't remember. And we're criticizing in contempt. The whole world. Is oh, stone, uh, stonewalling. So oh, not right. engaging not, and mm-hmm. not responding and not having the conversation was a third. And oh my God, what was there was a fourth one, and I can't remember it right now. And right. I am so sorry, world, that I am blanking. <laughs> no, no, those were a good important three, though. They were. Yeah. They were. Yes. They yeah. were. Yeah. But there's a fourth. It exists. Uh, well, all the couples who separate because they didn't know that. I would imagine that many couples that are that are criticizing or being contempt, contemptuous, contemptful, are also probably doing the other things anyway. Right. So I don't think okay. it's just like that one thing specifically. <laughs> all right. Well, that was going to be so. Before, I, I was curious to know, like, if you could, if there were things you could tell uh, a, a oh. couples who are listening, um, based on the research, good habits. Um, we've got one, we've got the five to one, and then we've got the don't do three of those don't four do, things. Don't do all four. Yeah, don't do that fourth thing either. It exists. And it's one of those things you learn early on as a researcher, yep. like what yep. they are, and then you just move away from them. And so <laughs> you just know they exist in the world. Okay. So don't do any of those four things. Don't do any of those four things. What are, those, <laughs> what are some other... Uh, so some tips, suggestions, things that are good habits for couples. Yep. In the So for dyadic coping, one of the things is that you need to actually communicate your stress to your partner or let them know at least if you're not doing so well or having a bad day and either communicating that or showing that through your behavior. Um, some people who sort of suppress their emotions and don't really show how they're feeling, that would be hard for a partner to pick up on. But yet suppression, you know, still has some negative effects on how you're dealing with things and then that bleeds into your relationship and how your relationship's doing. So for sure, being open with your partner about how you're doing and allowing your partner to then, you know, support you through that, whether that's tangible support of helping do the laundry or helping doing, you know, stuff around the house or really sitting down and figuring out, well, how can we, you know, work through this? How can we help your situation at work or whatever? Um, So how do you do that if... um, Let's imagine a circumstance where the couple yeah. is the sort of contributing to the stress mm-hmm. when they're the, the the thing that's maybe giving you a bad day. I don't want to use that language, but m- making your day more stressful. Is there a way? How, how would yeah. you recommend people communicate to that to their 
to their partner. Yeah, um, and actually, so that as part of the study that I did, I had couples come into the lab and they had to identify an area of disagreement in their relationship. And so often this was about, um, you know, how they communicate, how they spend money, um, if one partner was unemployed, how that partner, how they were both dealing with that. So the the ways to really get through that, one of the things that I focus on is how um, partners help each other regulate their emotions. So it's really important, some of the things that we see are how, you know, to communicate what's going on, to allow that listening and communication, but then also to be able, you know, to, well, help help bring them out of a negative funk if they're in a negative funk, but I think ultimately just being engaged in the conversation and, and, and trying, trying to work at it. So what Joel was describing, the stonewalling behavior, things like completely withdrawing yourself from the conversation, and we've seen this during lab sessions where one partner is really trying to get in there and talk about it, and your other partner is just sort of looking around the room and, and saying a few words here and there. But I think being engaged and being, mm -hmm. you know, just trying to work at it and not giving up you know, when, when things get a little touchy, as they often do, that may be one of the mm -hmm. most important things to do. Yeah, and then um, other literature supports that, right? So, so not stonewalling, using I statements. So I feel so that the so your partner doesn't feel like you're attacking them to be like you never do this, right? Mm -hmm. But to be like, well, I feel disrespected when you leave your clothes on the floor or something, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not so much about what their action is, but just about how you're feeling based on what has occurred. Um, and so. also with the the eyes, we talk has actually yeah. been also very effective. So if you have an, an issue or a stressor, talking about it in a communal way. So saying, you know, we maybe we should try this instead. So really, if I want Joel to do more of his laundry, you know, it could be like, well, maybe if we, you know, try to switch off and doing laundry and you do it mm -hmm. this day. And yep. then so m using it as a we and showing that we're in this together, that's also been pretty effective. Yeah. And communication well. studies show that couples that talk in we versus I or me statements mm -hmm. tend to be more satisfied and stable long term, too. Mm -hmm. You're hitting all the big issues in my house, by the way. Yeah. Laundry, <laughs> clothes on the floor. Drop some like more that. Yeah. and I feels, <laughs> yes. and you're good to go. And don't kitchen yes. sink. So if you're going to talk about an issue, um, don't. So if your partner brings up something that they think is a problem in the relationship, don't counter with mm -hmm. another issue that you see in the relationship. Mm -hmm. focus, um, on. focus on that issue. Um, don't listen to what they're saying. Don't think about what you're going to respond with yet. Like Let mm -hmm. them say their piece and process what they're saying to you. Um, these are all good strategies for mm -hmm. For dealing with conflict and disagreement in your relationship, and although we study this, yeah. <laughs> sometimes Doesn't we may not be the best <laughs> yeah. at it. But. Well, so yeah, when well, I imagine too, on some level, and tell me if I'm wrong, that accepting a partner's limitations is also mm -hmm. that there are things. I mean, in, the laundry thing is a funny example yeah. because we we. Um, my wife has this super super crazy habit where she she, no, she ends should we, up. Should we, Let's, let's, let's unpack let's, this. Let's yeah. not say <laughs> super crazy. Let's no. just say she has this quirk that she, she likes sure. to. No, she knows. She's, she's on board. <laughs> but what, she's she, on board. She, um, she forgets to, she puts stuff in the laundry and then always forgets yeah. to move it to the dryer. And I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say always. I, I, I think, and so we actually, at a certain point, we, we, we yeah. moved. We formally moved that I will do the laundry from this point on and yeah. that she will fold it once I mm -hmm. take it out. That that's sort of our agreement. In, in that you got the and easier job there. What's that? That's so much easier just to move the laundry. Yeah, Folding well, takes so long. No, you're right. No, you're right. No, it's that that yeah. is the upside. But yeah. the the, for me, the other upside is that I don't have to do loads of laundry over and over and over again because I get moldy in the wash. Yeah, yeah. um, no, but on some level, and this is true for both of us, like we, we acknowledge that there are things that 
one of us just isn't that good at, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. we, and because of that, and so with me, it's like paying bills and things like that. And so she uh, takes responsibility for some of those areas. And I don't know, is that a bad thing to do? Is that a good thing to that's do? A, that's, that's a great thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good. kind of in line with what Jenny was talking about, the, the complementary roles, yeah. right? And yeah. so yeah. you bring up some very valid points though. So don't be with someone thinking you can change them because yeah. that very often doesn't happen. Um, little things that annoy you now in a relationship early on, research shows will just will just exacerbate over time and ignore oh. annoy you more as you go. So either figure out that you can accept it and, and live with it, or mm -hmm. maybe think about exiting that relationship because mm -hmm. it's just gonna if, if their eating habit on date one is annoying to you, <laughs> year ten you're gonna like scream at them when they're having their dinner because you want them to close their mouth yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. Those things sometimes become, I mean, I'm just reflecting to you. Like those things, some of those things become kind of adorable down the road. Yeah, hopefully, too, do they right? Not? Yeah, I mean, oh, they totally can. Right? Hopefully, those are the what endearing that things phenomenon? that you, right. it's just like the endearing characteristics that, that you like about your, yeah. about your partner, right? That everyone has their own little quirks yeah. and that, you know, some of them are definitely can be adorable or like things that you can really grow to appreciate about that person. Because I, I can think of things that I bet probably bugged me when we first met, but that now I think are really cute. Right. And we're not that rational of human beings. Beings, right? right, but ideally we could sit down early on in the relationship and say, okay, what are the pluses? What are the minuses? What are the things that are bothersome, but that I could maybe learn to love or live mm -hmm. with, or things mm -hmm. that are just going to be like really problematic right. every day of our lives? Um, and it's hard, especially when you're young, right? And you're looking for that person to, to send your life with, and you know, yeah. you might want to let things go and forego things that make you happy, so you mm -hmm. can be with this person. But ultimately, in the longevity of that relationship, it's not going to bode as well. Right. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Well, and your health overall. So, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Plug back in there. <laughs> I want to, uh, yeah, we're going to do a plug for uh, for to talk again here in a little bit. I want to play our game, five questions. Um, we're going to start with you, Rebecca. All right. Okay, you want to pick the first one? And then read it out loud? Yes. No, okay. just, just to yourself. Just yourself. What book did you read last? Oh, um, so I... Let's see. I have a few books going on my nightstand. The one I last finished actually, I think, was a Game of Thrones book. <laughs> yeah, one of the. Even though I watched the TV show, I thought, oh, I should get into the books, and the books are really good too. But I don't. They're not quite as surprising now because I've seen the TV show. But yeah. but they're um, completely different. Yeah. Well, not completely. for the record, I'm in the middle of season two, so no spoilers. So spoilers. That's good. I was about to say something. <laughs> so yep, Game of Thrones book. Well, right, but now, so now the show's going to be ahead of the books, too. That's so. right, oh. yes. Be an interesting Interesting. Time. Yeah. yeah. Just throw it in there. Uh, Joel, do okay. you have a favorite newspaper or blog or anything you like? Yeah, so um, maybe surprisingly, for those of you who know me, I like to read car blogs, and the car blog I read every day is what? called thetruthaboutcars.com. And yeah, I read about cars. I didn't know that. I, that's yeah. the most surprising thing I've ever heard about. Anyone. You were in the class this semester. You heard about how a car policy, I can't remember what country it was, that oh, to try to curb pizza? no, to try to oh. curb pollution in the city, went to a, a policy <laughs> that if you the last digit of your license plate is odd, you can drive into the city on these days, and if it's oh. even, you can drive into the city on these days, and how that's influencing dating behaviors now in that city because people are looking for people with opposite license plates. Anyway, so they know that I read car blogs, but. That is a very surprising no, finding. All that right. One time the pizza man yeah. drove. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do this one so we get to alternate who we ask questions. Uh, Rebecca. Yes. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Oh, I wanted to be, well, at first I wanted to be a rock collector. I loved rocks. 
Right. A geologist. So cool. Yeah. Or just a collector. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> just keep them. Collect rocks, be in rocks, everything. But then as time went on, I think the prevailing thought was that I wanted to be a me- like a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, in undergrad, research sort of was very exciting to me. And then off I went to be a different kind of doctor. But... But a better kind of doctor. That's right. Unless you're like dying, then we're not a better then, doctor. Then <laughs> not a better doctor yeah. What if you're dying, but your partner could save you? Well, you know, that's right. to some degree they can. There you go. All right, this is for Joel. Okay. Best vacation you've been to? Um, so this is when I was in undergrad, and um, my partner at the time and I, we went to San Francisco for a week, and we just hung out in San Francisco, and we just took public transportation everywhere, and we just kind of explored the city with no real itinerary or agenda, and that was probably the best vacation. Mm-hmm. All right, that was good. What's your favorite sport, Rebecca? Oh, to watch or to clarification open, yeah. open to interpretation. Okay, so to watch. You could say both. I mean, want. I'm from the University of Arizona, so I've got to root for the Wildcats basketball team. And funny enough, I'm at University of Kentucky now, where we are also the Wildcats, and we also have an awesome basketball team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so basketball to watch to play. Let's see. Um, my sister got me into triathlon, so trying to swim and bike. Not so much the running bit, but, <laughs> but the swimming and biking. Those those are definitely up my alley. Old. Do you have a favorite line from a movie? Yeah, I do, and I don't know it off the top of my head <laughs> very well. So it's the movie Ever After with Drew Barrymore, and it's a Cinderella like retelling, and she's in the water, and then she, Michelangelo, I think, stumbles upon her literally in the water because oh, yes. he's and they're talking, and then she, she's like a bird, and my may love a fish, sir, but where will they live or something like that, like. And it's a very relationship-oriented kind of question or quote too. So you yeah, know. I have that movie on VHS. I, <laughs> have, I have it on DVD and Blu-ray. Oh, nice. oh my god! It's Da Vinci though, right? Not it's Mike Da Vinci. My bad. Michelangelo was under a. You got your Ninja yeah. Turtles. Uh, totally yeah. screwed. <laughs> I did. My bad. It's <laughs> okay. Um, Full of errors today. <laughs> <laughs> what um, What aspect of your job do you enjoy the most? Oh, that's a great question. I think, sort of what Jenny was saying. I think. Um, one of the things I really enjoy is just reading, staying up on some of the latest research and reading a lot of uh, new studies that come out. One of the best websites I found for this is Science Daily. They cover a whole bunch of different recent re- research articles in a whole, you know, lots of different areas. Um, so definitely staying up on the on the you know latest research, but also I think one of my most favorite things is the collaboration. And so a lot of my research is interdisciplinary, and just collaborating with people from psychology or immunology or computer science. It's really you just learn how to look at things a totally different way because you have to speak their language then when you're collaborating mm-hmm. with them. All right, for Joel. Well, this one's long. Mm. If you had to eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Pamper and jelly sandwiches. Yes. Oh, God. No explanation is needed for that answer. (laughs) Wow. Oh, this one one is for Rebecca. What's your least favorite food, Rebecca? Oh, I don't like bananas. (laughs) (laughs) We have another banana lover. I can't stand this. Oh, I thought you were. Yes. Yeah, they have a weird texture. My family thinks I'm crazy. They all love bananas. (laughs) (laughs) interesting okay Uh, what is your last one right I think is it it. we can count the slips what is what (laughs) is your favorite place to eat Joel 
Wow, those oh. are all food related. They, uh, yeah. they, they, they I know me. The questions know me. Question. That's right. Um, no. I think. The best PB &J. No, just well, no. <laughs> I was gonna say we don't. So I'm just gonna. My favorite place to eat, um, if I'm like nationally anywhere in the country, it's gonna be Red Robin. But if I'm uh, in Tucson, my favorite place to eat is EG's Sandwich Shop, oh. and they have ranch fries, and they're delicious. Um, see, I have like specific places. And if I'm in yeah. Green Bay, I guess I really like Kavarna. Okay. So. Good. That's a nice little plug for Kavarna. Yeah. Nice one. We were there for breakfast this morning. Yeah. That's coffee, right. coffee shop downtown. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, I want to thank you all so very much for being here. This has been really great. Um, I also just want to remind people, and, and uh, I'm going to ask you for the details mm -hmm. of the talk, but uh, Rebecca Reed's talk is today, which is... A day. February what is today's 10th, date? 11th. The 11th. Thursday, February 11th, <laughs> 2016. There you go. And what time is it and where? At 5 p.m. in alumni rooms. Uh, it starts at 5. Outstanding. Um, thank you so much for being here. Is there anything else you want to plug or tell people about that you're up to? Anything like that? Relationships matter. Relationships matter. <laughs> for your health and for your well-being. Take care of your partners and yourselves. Right. And have a good Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Very nice. Well, thank you all so much for being here. Thank I also you. want to thank our producer, Kate Farley. Thank Woo. you so thank much. You. Thank, thank you. you. Um, I also want to put in a plug for our next episode, which is going to be a week from today. And I don't remember the Oh, you know what? It's Dr. Chris Smith talking about okay. weight stigma, oh. which is fascinating, fascinating stuff. And the It just came out. You know, I don't actually, did we talk about that? We already taped it. See? Oh, oh, we do things oh, way bad. totally out of order. Cut no. that part. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. No, the new Barbie is interesting. I don't remember if we talked about it, but we talked about lots of other fascinating stuff. Yeah, so oh, it's, I'm sure. it's really I'm one, sure. Of my, one of my favorites that we've done so far. Yeah, really good stuff. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Thank you all so much. Thank, Thank you. you.